to Travolting, covering lucky numbers. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Stuart. How are you? Uh, I don't are you really... feeling lucky? Do you, punk? Um, are you feeling lucky numbers? How many number of times have you used voices with me, Jeff? A lot. Would you say a lucky number of times? I would say an unlucky number of times, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you ever play the lottery? Uh, once or twice. Yeah. I'm not like, I don't like get the tickets every morning, but I play it every now and again. Say I do as well. Yeah. You know who else plays the lottery? John Travolta in this movie. In this lucky movie. 2000. Yes. We're, we're, we're in the 2000s. We're in the 2000s. I mean, we've been in the 2000s since last week. Yes. But like last week was such a monumental. Yes, we, this is our first post-Battlefield Earth um, uh, episode. Our first post-Battlefield Earth movie. How, how are we feeling off of that episode that we just covered? Um, Insane? Crazy? I'm a little sad. A little sad that we've he's hit he flew too close to the sun, burned up, and now we're he didn't just fly too close to the sun. He went into the sun. <laughs> he went into he it. He thought he was Superman and could absorb the radio the radiation and heat life. And did not quite work out and, so well. And and guess what, John? You can fly, but not like Superman. Yes. You fly planes. <laughs> yes, you fly planes at thirty thousand feet, no more, no less. And you went straight into the sun and burnt it to a crisp and came crashing down like Nicolas Cage in the knowing. Mm-hmm. Oh god. Uh but yeah, he's coming off of Battlefield Earth. So we're in a new... We're still in the same era of our podcast. We're still in the yeah. A-list of Travolting. Which we, we've had like our conversations about... Yeah, Battlefield Earth starts the decline, but he's still coming out of that movie an A-list actor. Because like, he has some other successes yeah. after this. I would equate it to, and I dislike having to bring this person up, but this is essentially the equivalent of Johnny Depp after, you know, like Lone Ranger, Alice in Wonderland... Mm-hmm. era yeah where it's like he's like flop after flop after flop giant up still a, like a big star at that time yeah it's not until you know the crimes are committed by grindelwald that uh he's well and truly out of the a-list category right um but yeah like at this point travolta he's still a-list he's still big he still comes to the oscar ceremonies they have him present things he pops up in cameos and movies which we're going to cover very soon as like john travolta Someone who Hollywood knows. Right. But he's making, starting with this movie, we can equate this to his 1980 blowout with blowout, where that movie was a flop and he got scared. And he started making what seemed like damage control decisions that only proceeded to damage him further. Yeah. He's doing the exact same thing now. Right. Because what did he do after blowout? He did a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. He did a sequel to one of his hits. He did a reteaming with a director, um, like a, a a light director from a few years prior, mm-hmm. with Mom, um, uh, two of a kind. And um, what we're seeing right now is what is this movie? A light reteaming with a director from a few years prior. What is one of the next movies we're covering? A sequel to one of his hits. Be cool, <laughs> which we'll be covering soonish. 
but he's gonna he's making the same mistakes coming out of Battlefield Earth that he's making coming out of Blowout. Yeah. Where he's like, okay, I need damage control. I need people to like me again after that. I'm going to slip back into the cool, suave Travolta that they all know and love. When he, as an actor, had grown out of that finally. Yeah. And <sighs> this movie is just a harbinger of what's to come. It's what they, he just doesn't have hits after this point. Yeah, not really. He has movies that keep him treading above water, and then the movies that are the bricks dragging him further down. Hairspray, Bolt. The, yes, Hairspray and Bolt. I mean, those are hits, but those aren't John Travolta vehicles. Those are movies with John Travolta in them. Right. This is still a John Travolta vehicle, and it does not do too well for him. In probably all respects. Yes, but... What if this movie's kind of good, though? Uh, well, uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> folks, I've I've been teeing up like this is like the beginning of his decline, but I'm like, what if this movie's kind of good though? It's not. What if it is? It's not though. It's kind of good. No, it's not. What if it kind of? It's not good. It's not good, but what if it's kind of good? It's not even kind of good though. It's a little kind of good. I'm interested to know why you think it's kind of yes. good. Well, this is a reteaming with Nora Ephron, his director from Michael, um, coming back a few years later after she has also kind of had a rejigger of her career. Yeah, you know Nora Ephron. Started out with some Tom Hanks hits, um, Sleep is in Seattle, for mm-hmm. one. Uh, and then she does, you know, Michael Mix Nuts and has a little bit of a career decline around that time in terms of respect. Comes back with You've Got Mail. She reteams Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Um, kind of has her groove back on. She says, I'm going to reteam with Travolta. Michael was a hit for me. Hence this movie. Um, so the two of them are both kind of coming off of a recent, like, punch. Yeah. And uh, decide, let's reteam, let's make another hit. Does not go so well. But she, uh, this is Efron's only film that she actually didn't write, that she's directing. Yeah, she's just directing, not yes. writing it. This film's written by Adam Resnick, who uh, is a David Letterman writer. Um, so it's kind of interesting. He had written The Larry Sanders Show, which is a phenomenal show. But uh, this is one of his few like big screenplays that's been produced. He's mostly a TV guy. Interesting. And I think it shows where Efron's at in her career. That this is the first time she's working with someone who's not like one of her own scripts. Yeah. She's kind of taking the hit and she's like, all right, I will direct this movie. And just not write it. And I think that's a big problem with this movie. Is this movie. There's a lot of problems with this this movie. movie has all the makings to be like a, a hit, like a big time, like movie that jeff is very into this is my favorite this one of my favorite like subgenres of movie where it's like small town america like a botch like goofy crime with a bunch of big characters okay yeah and this is exactly the type of movie that a coen brothers or a steven soderbergh would make into a really engaging entertaining fast-paced quippy wet uh wacky hit the problem is for me Nora efron's too much of like a classicist to really get this movie like the energy it needs. Because this movie to me is like an airplane, one of John Trolls' favorite things, where it just like, it has all the fuel it needs, but it can never get off the ground. Hmm. If that makes sense. Okay. Like imagine this movie directed by the Coen brothers. It has a lot of Fargo feel to it. Or I watched a few days ago, Logan Lucky again, the yeah. Soderbergh film. This is a lot of like Logan Lucky... Um, Two far, people far way up. out of their depth. Just small ta- small town American people, low status individuals who th- want to be high status, uh, get into a crime way over their heads with a bunch of shady characters, 
and just watching like the comedy of errors of like things getting bigger and bigger and like ratcheting up on them and they're just out of their depths yeah john is pretty much playing william h macy from fargo in this where like he just he just wants um some money and winds up in like this massive cr- criminal investigation yeah all John Travolta wants is to pay off uh, <laughs> Dale the Thug. A snowmobile business. A snowmobile business. <laughs> um, Let's not forget. Yes. And he's a weatherman, by the yes, way. he's a weatherman. Russ Richards. Yes. And that is why I think this movie is still kind of fun, because even if it doesn't like succeed at really getting it off the ground, it still has all the p- individual pieces that I really enjoy in this kind of subgenre of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie markets itself, and the description I had rented it from as a a hilarious comedy. Stuart, you seem disenthused by that. Uh, yeah, no. Okay, here's the tagline for this movie that I think insinuates everything I like about this genre. The tagline is, when they put their heads together, it's a no-brainer. Get it? Yeah, I get it. It's like, that's a good tagline. It's, and it tells this movie that this movie wants to be, that I want it to be. So, okay, pause. I hear everything you're saying, Jeff, mm-hmm. about the, the genre and the subgenre of movies that appeal to you. Yes. I can picture in my head like Fargo and Mary Cohen Brothers. Yes. And, like, for some reason, I mean, thought of like Horrible Bosses, mm-hmm. like the similar type of like three. like Horrible Bosses is too high status of a movie. It's too, like, it, this needs to be set. In a very specific type of community. And Harrisburg, Pennsylvania is the community. Yeah. Where it's like so removed from like where outsized personalities like a local weatherman can be such a force in this movie. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sure. Um, but I, I think I understand like the type of genre, subgenre you're talking about. The problem that, I mean, there are lots of problems I have in this movie. For, yeah. for one, like there isn't ever like a complete thought in this yes. film. Everything is just like, what if this happens? Mm-hmm. What if this happens? What if this happens? And there's nothing that ever yeah. happens because of something. Like, there's no, like, premeditated thought mm. into future events into the script yes. at all. Everything just happens. And that's kind of part of what I like about it. And that it's just, like, crazy events consistently occurring. But, like, even, like... I feel like at least in Fargo or maybe even in other films, it's like there's at least some underlying consequence because of a character's action. Mm -hmm. Whereas this movie, like bad things just happen. Yeah. And I mean, it's all because of Travolta just like being unable to make simple choices. Everything gets ratcheted up. Well, and also like, it's just bad luck. Meaning the script, like the screenwriter just fucking counterpoint, counterpoint. Okay. You're saying that this movie, so much of the things that happen in it is about, bad luck the title of this movie is lucky numbers this movie is all about luck and rigging your own luck and how that usually leads to an offset of bad luck i mean i hear that but Mm. at the same time and i'm not saying this movie fully succeeds at that no but that's the idea yeah i guess i understand like where you think this movie was attempting to go Mm -hmm. for and your appreciation in that attempt, for me, it's like I can't even appreciate that. You can't appreciate the attempt. I can't appreciate the attempt. Um, I think I, for this, this entire movie was just such a jambalaya of thoughts. Yeah. And somebody sitting behind a typewriter thinking, like, 
what if this happens and what if this mm-hmm. happens and why don't we bring this person into yeah. it? Why don't we bring this person into it? Oh, what happens if this mm-hmm. person gets involved? Like, and, and nothing ever like solely fleshes it out. And then the, and then the end of the movie is just like, and they all lived happily ever after. No questions yeah. done. I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay. This, I think this goes back to our get shorty episode a little bit and that I like convolution in movies and yeah. you are not a, generally a fan of convolution. No, it, it's more so like, um, hmm, convolution. Like in Get Short, where everything is just so overly complicated that it's funny. There's there's complexities and then there's ambiguities. Mm-hmm. Very different things. And I feel like this is more like has more ambiguities yeah. than complexities in it. Like mm-hmm. I don't. What is complex about this movie? I, not even like complex in like a narrative sense, but convoluted. In, like, a sense that halfway through this movie, Bill Pullman is playing a cop who doesn't want to do paperwork. Yeah. And because he doesn't want to do paperwork, he keeps getting stuck in these situations where he's busting major crimes. (laughs) All based on his desire to not be involved in these situations. But see, for me, he doesn't come into the movie until, like, halfway over when it's done. Exactly. And I love that this movie just throws that wrench halfway through. And for me, it just reads as throwing in a wrench halfway Mm -hmm. through. Like, to me, it doesn't yeah. seem like it was very premeditated at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, and by the way, we're going to throw this cop figure into it, and he's going to bust the whole thing down, mm-hmm. but not on his own accord. Like, great. Like, what if he had, like, 20 extra minutes of screen time to set himself up and yeah. then to, like, throw him into the, throw him into mm-hmm. it? So at least we have some Adam sort of... the mix, brother. Yeah, like, at least, like, have some sort of audience connection to him mm-hmm. in some sense. Before just like, hey, your 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 settlement case yeah. or whatever with your back, like we see you shoveling yeah. this, so we're gonna bring you back and put you mm-hmm. on a case. Because like his whole arc in what? this movie is he's a what? cop that doesn't want to be a cop that doesn't want to be a cop. Yeah, and he just accidentally keeps becoming the hero, and he solves he solves everything at the end. Yeah, <laughs> he gets like commendations for it. <sighs> yeah. I mean, all, all of this to me just screams yeah. like lazy writing. It's 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 the funny convolution that I like. It's like that scene in Get Shorty where Gene Hackman doesn't want to get out of the bed. So he sit, lays there for five minutes arguing about getting out of the bed when getting out of the bed would have been faster. Yeah. And that's the kind of like, re- like humor that I enjoy. It's just like this human behavioral stuff. Yeah. And I like that this movie's playing it. And like I said, I don't think this movie fully succeeds. I don't think it ever gets off the ground. No. But I, I, I see what it's going for, and I find a lot of enjoyment in some of the aspects of it. Shall we talk about the movie? Yeah, let's talk about the movie. Did you have any more context corner things? No, that's basically it. You know, they're both on a... Uh, Travolta's starting to scramble. I mean, this was in production before Battlefield Earth. Yeah. Um. So he's, uh, he's, he's scrambling a little bit. Um, when it comes out, he's like, I hope I have another hit. I hope I have a hit here after whatever the fucking Battlefield Earth was. Uh, dear reader, he did not. <laughs> um, so. <sighs> Lisa Kudrow's in this. Lisa Kudrow from Friends. Friends. Uh, no- and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um. Yeah, she's. she's what else has she done? She's. In, she's Lisa Kudrow. Like that's that's it. Like that's 
after watching this and knowing her from friends, it's like it kind of solidified a lot of things of my thoughts of her as an actor, which is like she has like one mode and that mm-hmm. is like crazy psychotic person mode. Yeah. She's gotten like much more sophisticated at like nowadays. Like she's been in some stuff now. Yeah. Um, she's in Dr. Doolittle too. She's yeah. in both boss baby movies. So that's a big deal. She's in uh space force space force. Uh, yeah. Space force. But like now, like I feel like she has a little more sophistication to her performances, mm-hmm. but back then just seems like her role was always like, she's a psycho crazy yeah. person. So, and that's who she's playing in this. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so we get introduced to Travolta through a little monologue of his, another voiceover of Travolta. No, and he's setting up how he's like the hot shot in, um, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. It starts off very similar to a civil action. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And what is, what is his deal? He's a weatherman for the local news channel uh wtab i think it's called was your local weatherman this hot in the block because mine was not no but i was from i'm from philly um harrisburg is a very different place i have family on harrisburg Mm. um and it is a smaller community like this and i can very much see it being like this also this movie set in 1988 so oh yeah more people were watching the tv true and like a local weatherman would be like a source of like everyone would know this person yeah but he sets up he's like the hot shot in town and he's he's really selling himself. It's really playing off of the Travolta like um uh what's the word? The Travolta personality that like he's developed his media personality at this the time. The charisma. The charisma, the high status, self-confidence. Like he's like, "Yeah, you know, I got a prime parking spot at the local bistro and something even named after me and he pulls into a denny's <laughs> and he does have a spot in the denny's that says mr richards yeah um and he has like a burger named after him at the the denny's but i think it's very funny he's like he's really selling himself as this high status individual this big guy yeah. but all everything we're seeing on screen does not represent that like he's pulling into a Denny's. He runs a, a a snowmobile company that's underwater because of an unusually warm winter. Okay, here's here's something I think is so funny in this movie. He's running a snowmobile co- snowmobile company that uh, is going underwater because of an unusually warm winter. And then his other job is as a weatherman who has to continuously every day forecast that the weather is not getting better. And also forecasting his business is continuing to fail. Yeah. I think that's just a good little detail. Yeah, I I, I, I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, it That bit was funny for two minutes. And uh, he's trying to um, he's trying to get some money. Yeah. And one of the ways he's trying to do it is by auditioning. He wants to be a game show host. And that's his dream. Yeah. Which he tells you exactly what this guy He is. does these like, impressions to himself. It's like, with your host, Russ Richards. Yeah. Um, and he, I, I, I will say, I do think Travolta has a lot of fun in this movie. Yeah, he has a lot of charisma in this movie. Ooh, dogs be barking. The audience is hearing that they're a bunch of dogs shrieking outside. Yeah, we record this in just a regular studio or, or an apartment <laughs> in Chicago. We don't have like anything fancy. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why my roommates are always walking in, um, as you folks know, or the prospective roommates. Because, you know, we've had, like, Bill Clinton and Sling Blade pop by after Jack left. Thank God nobody showed up in the Battlefield Earth episode, though. Yeah. I mean, as an insurance policy. Um, <laughs> I think I might actually have a showing today, but we'll see. 
Uh, <laughs> um, but Travolta, you know, he he had a he keeps talking about he had a meeting with an agent eight months ago, and he's like, "This guy's gonna get me in a game show. This guy's gonna get me in a game show." He finally calls the agency and is like, "Hey, well, why haven't I heard from this agent?" And the guy's like, "Oh yeah, Mr. Kornberg is dead. He <laughs> died great. eight months ago. <laughs> he died eight months ago, immediately after meeting with you." <laughs> it's so good yeah um, um we also see lisa kudrow yes she's the lottery girl yes she's the one who's like she pulls the balls and is like 12 27 1 2 which is great um <laughs> why is it great uh it's just it's there's not actually great they're just like setting up the they're putting the dominoes out that they're gonna knock over later yeah 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 um, and so Travolta, he goes to meet with, um, a local, a local, uh, um, what's, what even is Tim Roth's position in this movie? A local mob guy? Um. He's involved in something. Yeah, he's, he's got, got connections. His Australian accent going on. That's my Tim Roth in that. Um, his name's Gig. <laughs> his name is Gig. He runs a strip club and he's connected with the mob. How does John Travolta know him? It's just established that they know each other. Yeah, that's it. So he, he goes to see Gig. Is there a Gig in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, who Maybe. has connections with the mob? I mean, Gig is the only one who knows what's going on in this movie. He looks at the camera at the end. Yeah, he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. Uh, Gig uh, suggests, you know what you're going to do, Russ? Insurance scam. Insurance scam. He sets up, just how, uh, just let me know. A I'll fake robbery. He's like, I'll hire a bunch of guys. They'll fake rob your, your snowmobile place. You, you get the insurance policy. Bing, bada, boom, you're set. Yeah, and so John Travolta agrees to it, he and says, he sees this vision of like these tough, like mass criminals pulling up in a fancy car. They all look like Agent Smith from the Matrix. They have like a laser pointer yeah. that like cuts a hole out of the glass, and he thinks it's gonna be like a Mission Impossible yeah. heist. And then, um, so Travolta agrees. We cut to the real crime occurring. It is not a fancy car; it is it, a, a beater. It is. It is. And not. then who gets out of the car? Stuart, who gets out of the car? Uh. uh What's his name? Michael Rappaport. <laughs> Michael Rappaport. <laughs> uh, he just pops out and he's like, hey, I'm going to bust this place open, you know? <laughs> if anyone has ever seen uh, Atypical, the Netflix series, Michael Rappaport is the dad. Mm -hmm. um, but he's also known for... Michael Rappaport is the best. He's, he's known for his hit movies like True Romance, Deep Blue Sea... Um, he's known for being the best. That is all. He's, that is all is that Michael Rappaport is known for being the best. Well, what you got with Michael Rappaport? He's the best. Okay. Just listen to him. He makes videos on Twitter where he just yells about things. <laughs> he's just like, hey, what the fuck are you talking about? Huh? <laughs> and that's Michael Rappaport. Uh, but he's so funny in this movie. Um, he's playing Dale. <laughs> um, and he comes out with a baseball bat. And he just busts the front door open. And it, we haven't established that John Travolta, uh, Russ, has like this business partner for this. Um, yes, named Larry. That's his name. Uh, may my played by Michael Weston. Michael Weston from who doesn't exist. What happened to him? He's he's in he was apparently in House and Six Feet Under, uh, but I've actually never seen him aside from this movie. He wasn't in anything else really. I mean, he was in a bunch of stuff, but he's like a day player in a lot of shows. I just wonder what happened to him. I wonder if he's okay. Oh, he's okay. He's still alive. Yeah. He's 47 now. Michael Ru Michael Weston lives in New York, New York. Um, But uh, 
he has an assistant who's in there like f- fanoodling with a uh, one of his lady friends. Yeah, and immediately they, calls the police. Police bust. Police the... immediately show up and arrest Michael Rapport and his guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whole scheme fails. Yeah, Travolta at best gets like a hundred dollar payout from the glass door that they shattered. And he gets a phone call from Dale. From Dale the Thug. D- well, we'll establish that <laughs> we establish later that his full title is Dale, Dale the, the Thug. Thug. Yes. Yeah. It's not just Dale. It's Dale the Thug. <laughs> right. Um, I love this movie. Um, he gets a phone call from him in the middle. And he's like, "You owe me forty thousand dollars. It's ten thousand. Ten thousand dollars. I better fucking get. It. I'm a rat like nobody's business." Right. So now Travolta, in addition to needing money to save his snowmobiles, needs money to pay out the criminal he hired for his previous insurance scam. Yeah. So he decide so he meets with Gig again to and, plan another scam. And he proposes the Pennsylvania lottery. Yeah. Because they call the numbers on the show. All they have to do is put some weighted balls in the machine. And then the and except for the numbers that they choose. Yes. And then they'll win the lottery. Yes. So he says you need and he brings lisa kudrow into this mm. um and she agrees with it too um why because she it, he's like he thinks he's gonna have to like smooth talk her and he's like so i got an idea smash cut to them in a car and she's like we're gonna be rich we're gonna be rich and he's like i thought that would be a hot to sell yeah <laughs> it's so funny um but they they need a a patsy they need some the beard the beard they call him they need because they're gonna get the balls ready with Gig's help. Get them in the machine. She's gonna distract the security guards so Travolta can slip it in when he's not looking. Yeah. Um, and they need someone who's gonna actually have the numbers. So who do they bring in, Stuart? Tell me who do they bring in? <laughs> because like, I would just like it to emphasize they, they bring in Michael Moore. They bring in Michael, Michael Moore, Moore, director of Bowling for Columbine, Fahrenheit Nine Eleven. <laughs> And who does he play? He plays Walter, her asthmatic cousin. Who masturbates a lot. Who masturbates a lot, but also runs a church. An interesting character. I have no idea why Michael Moore is in this movie. Um, but he is. Um, it's just a baffling casting choice that I love. And Michael Moore plays the cousin yes, of Lisa Kudrow's her character. Her cousin who says he's gonna, they're going to give him 100000 of the $6.4 million. And he says he's going to use it for his church to buy a new furnace. I thought it was twenty thousand. I think they say a hundred, or maybe it's twenty. Because he sells later in the movie, he sells a lot of ticket for hundred thousand. Yeah. He said, "Oh yeah, it's twenty. He so, says, "I'm going to use it to buy a new furnace for my church." And I'm like, "Oh, that's great." Well, and he's like, "I'm going to use the rest of it to open an adult bookstore." <laughs> and he's like, like, "Do you masturbate a lot?" And he's like, "Do you masturbate a lot?" <laughs> he's like, "They say that masturbating is a sin, but I, I believe that God gave us the ability to masturbate to avoid sex." <laughs> At least Kutcher's like, I think sex is great. Michael Moore actually good in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the only good thing in this movie. Although There's John Travolta has some good movies. Hey, and Tim D- Roth. Dale the Thug is the best. No disrespect. You know, I will say, now as I'm thinking about it, there are a lot of like good individual performances yes. in this. A lot of like good one scene performances yes. and shit. Dale the Thug, Gig, Tim Roth. Yeah. Also, uh, the bookie, who is played by, what's that guy's name? 
Uh, Richard Schiff. Yeah, he has like one good scene. <laughs> Richard Schiff is great. And then he gets fucking diced. Yeah. <laughs> In what is described as the most poorly executed murder of the century. Oh, God. <laughs> this is the shit that I just love in this movie. I know, it's just like, I know. Um, I know it's your it's your bread and butter. Yes. But um, so they decide they're going to um, rig it. And they successfully rig it. And they get the get the winning numbers. Yep. But then everything starts to fall apart. Uh, it starts off with like uh, uh, Richard doesn't want to give Lisa the ticket. Yes. Because he first thinks, "Why am I only getting twenty thousand when you guys are getting like six yeah. million? And he's like, "Maybe I should be getting more." And then mm-hmm. eventually, like, uh, so he has an asthma attack. He has an asthma attack because Lisa like causes it. She yes. tackles him to the ground and like and so, slaps him around. And like, she doesn't give him his inhaler. Nope. And he dies. And he dies. <laughs> Michael Moore dies. He dies. She um, murders him. And then she steals the um the ticket the ticket from where, inside, where, of blow, where, inside of a blow inside of a blow up doll. It was in the mouth of a blow up doll. A sex blow up. A sex blow up doll. Yeah. She has to stick her hand in there and pull out the the ticket. She leaves his body there and calls the police and is like, yeah, an asthma attack. He want us to have the money, though. That's what she tells Travolta. She's like, yeah, he died. It was so sad, but he wanted us Those to have the money. last words were like, you should take the money. Yeah, take the ticket. It's in my wallet. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I wrote down, she effectively murders him. Yes. Uh, and then there's a scene in Giggs, yes. uh, strip club, where the bookie comes in. Richard Schiff. Richard Schiff. Playing Jerry the bookie. Uh, I like that people in this movie just have titles of first name, The Thing. Right. He's just Jerry, The Bucky. There's Dale, The Thug. Yeah. Um, And Jerry, The Bucky comes in, and Tim Roth is talking to him. He's like, my grandkid told me a story or something where it's like... It's it's this convoluted story about Richard Siff's grandchild, grandson, telling him, like, um, just talking way too complex for his age to him about how um, my... People should a bunch of people shouldn't be able to win the lottery at the same time, which just so happened that like five of Tim Roth's relatives all picked the right numbers when it comes to cooking the books this week because they use the lottery numbers to match the the book numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he pretty much threatens Tim Roth, like, "I see what you're up to." Does Tim Roth play a call to our good friend Dale? Dale the thug, Dale the thug, who uh, murders Richard Schiff <laughs> by beating him with a baseball bat, puts him in like a body bag, uh, throws him in the river. Yep, and Tim Roth's like, oh, I'm never gonna hear from him again. <laughs> he's he's done for. And, but he tells and he tells Travolta, we're never gonna hear from him again. Don't even worry about it. The problem is, this is where we get the name drop of Dale the Thug, <laughs> because um, he's like, yeah, my associate, and Charles is like Dale, and he's like, yeah, Dale, Dale the Thug. And from that point on, Tim Roth only ever refers to him as Dale the Thug. I love that because that's his full title. <laughs> yeah, it's also at this point when uh, the TV station manager. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah, we forgot this role. There's a tv station manager played by ed o'neill and uh he gets he finds one of the filled up glue balls and that's when he kind of puts two and two together Mm. that like he sees a video recording of the lottery drawing and how the balls aren't floating to the top they're just sticking to the bottom and so um he puts two and two together and he sort of finds out about the lottery scheme yes but then, yeah, um, Dale the Thug comes back and threatens Russ. Yes. Says, I killed that guy for you. And uh, Russ is like, I don't want anyone killed. And it's like, you know what? I don't want the 10000 anymore. He's like, you don't? It's like, no. 500 I want half a million. He's like, what? Half a million? It's like, yeah. Like, Robert's like, I want half a fucking million, no? And so uh, now 
John Travolta has to pay half a million mm. to deal the thug. And then the TV station manager calls Lisa Kudrow, John Travolta in his office, and he tells them he knows about the lottery scheme. And he says he wants half of the winnings. So he's got to pay half the winnings to the TV station manager. He's got to pay half a million. Yeah. He's like, and there's one funny joke that I actually kind of like in the movie where he's like, I got to pay 500 million, 500,000 to this guy. I got to pay half a whole money to this guy. I yeah. got to pay all this. Like, he's like, I'm, I'm in debt, debt again. <laughs> and that is, that is the moment when I was like, I'm kind of locked into this movie. Was that it just got so convoluted for Trolta. He's now in debt again, having won $6.4 million. Which he still hasn't cashed in yet. Yeah. And so, uh, gig is just like he was very off like just casual this entire he's like it was, it was kill dick just kill out o'neill and, and it, lisa's like yeah let's do it yeah and it's at this point that bill pullman gets involved yes and who is bill pullman in this movie Jeff? he's playing a cop uh named pat lakewood detective lakewood um he claimed he was injured but the police got a video of him like hitting an axe in his backyard <laughs> proving he's not injured uh, so they force him back onto the force Force him back onto the force. Force him back onto the force. I love it. Um, and he's like, he's with a, a young cop who really wants to prove himself. Pick up. You okay? No, I'm dying. You need to take a break? No, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. No, I'm Did you good. say you have a showing today? A showing? Oh, yeah, I might. We'll see if he shows up. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that Jeff just gave me like a really strange look at that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Give me a strange look. Um, well, before we go any further, I, I, I can't forget it in this movie because this is the one. This is like oh yes. the first time in a while doing? I have to talk about it. The hair. Yes. Cue the hammerking music. This is the hair ranking report. Uh, he has short hair in this movie. Yes. Like, buzz cut short hair. Like, it's really short. It's really short. I think this is the movie where our logo came from. You think so? I think it might be. Wait a minute. Like, look at the Travolting logo with his short hair. I don't uh, think it's from this movie. I think it's looks, from this era. He looks a little older, though, don't mm. you think? That is fair. That is true. Like he, he just looks a little bit older and a little bit more leaned out mm-hmm. in that photo. But he, it is very similar short hair, yeah. the one that we have in our logo. But yeah, it's very short hair. Yes. Um, How'd you feel about it? I mean, everyone knows about my preference with the long hair Travolta. Yeah. It's not a secret anymore. But at least this is something. It's this is so sad. It's getting to the point when like anything different. I mean, we just talked about Battlefield Earth last week. <laughs> Which was different. Which, the uh, Battlefield Earth, um, you guys all know where it ended up on the hair ranking, so I don't need to repeat it. The dreads. The the alien dreads. Um, <laughs> Turl. Remember Turl? Our best friend Turl. Turl. <laughs> turning me on <laughs> with those alien dreads. Oh, yeah, I'm Turl. Oh, Yeah. Stuart is staring at an action figure oh, of Turl that God, I have on my desk. Turl. The fucking eyebrows <laughs> and the beard. Turl. Alien dreads mm. just fuck me up. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, but you know, that was that was its own thing. This is like back to regular hair Travolta, but it's not quite regular yeah. hair Travolta. It's something new. 
it's something different. Something different. So can I see the hair ranking report? Yeah, of course you can. You can always see the hair ranking. Pretty, pretty, please. Put it below phenomenon above look who's talking. Well, phenomenon above look who's talking. Whoa. A new number 18, <laughs> which is a, still not a high number. I don't think we're ever going to touch the top 10 again. Maybe Bolt? Well, we we did talk about Battlefield Earth last week. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, I, that's why I said again. Again. Anyway, um, <laughs> I love, like, audience members, if you're, like, a little confused right now, you obviously didn't listen to our Battlefield Earth episode. Mm-hmm. You got to go back and listen to the Battlefield Earth episode and listen to the hair ranking. Because that yeah. was a doozy for me. That was... You had a, a personal battlefield. I had a... It was not just a battle. It was a war but within myself. Yeah. Of the alien dreads. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> the alien dreads. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> Terrell. Terrell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Terrell. Uh, okay. So, moving on. That's the hair ranking. Yes. Um. So, they find the bookie's dead body. Yes. They find... The, no, it... Jerry is killed, and Gig's like, "Oh, they're never gonna find him." And then immediately cut to Travolta in the newsroom, um, and the news story is: body of local bookie found in river in poorly in poor um, in most poor like cover up ever, in which he was smashed with a bat, and then duct taped, tied up, and thrown into a river with a single brick tied to his leg, which did not pull him down. No. So he floated back so up. So he floated back up, and he was immediately, the body was immediately recovered. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, Michael Rappaport um, talks to Travolta for a little bit. <laughs> He's like, you know, the bats that I've been using have been commemorative bats that I bought, and I want to get new ones in Travolta. He's just talking about Dale the Thug. He's like, Lisa, or what's Lisa Kutcher's name in this? What's her name? What is her name in this, Jeff? Um, what is Lisa Kudrow's Crystal. name? Crystal. Crystal. Um, so he says, like, this guy beats people to death with commemorative bats. He's crazy. <laughs> I just love the detail that Michael Rapport only uses, like, commemorative historical bats to, to kill people. Commemorative historical like, bats. You can just get, a, like, a, a normal bat from a, a Dick Sporting Guns. It has to be commemorative. <laughs> oh, love dear. to see it. A small brick taped to one wrist is what I wrote down. <laughs> For the body they recover. And uh, Bill Pullman's put in the case of figuring out what happened to this guy. He wants to just write off as like, hey, we found the body. That's it. It's like, you guys don't know it was a murder. You guys yeah. all scream foul play. He could have slipped and fell. <laughs> and they're like, like, yeah, he, he slipped was and fell. duct taped and <laughs> smashed by a baseball bat <laughs> with, with a brick. brick tied to his wrist. <laughs> and he's like, could have been, you know, an accident. Yeah. It's like, have you read the report? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like a common reoccurring joke. That is that Bill Pullman does not read the He reports. does not read the reports at all. Mm-hmm. It's like, what time did they fish up the body? Was it at six or was it at eight? It's yeah. like they fished it up at six and they bagged it at eight. Yeah. <sighs> so at this point, everything's off the rails. Oh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> as the Wikipedia's plot sounds this says, mayhem and murder ensue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Travolta sells the ticket. Yes, he sells the ticket to Dick for $100,000. Because he wants to be clean of all this. He doesn't want any more involvement. Right. An honorable, but yes, An honorable goal. <laughs> right. It's He's just like, I want out of this. He's like, a, uh, 
what's the actor's name in Fargo? William H. Macy at the end when he's just trying to like squirm his way out of it. Yeah. Um, wow. And he tells Crystal's uh, Crystal immediately this. furious. Yeah. So she's like, I need to get back good with Dick because she was sleeping with him at one point. Yeah, she was sleeping with him and uh, Russ Richards at the same time. At the same time. And so she she leaves Russ and goes back to Dick, um, and spends the night with him. Yeah. And while that's happening, who breaks in? Dale, Dale the, the thug, thug. <laughs> who comes in with another commemorative bat. <laughs> <laughs> See, isn't it funny? It can't just be like a regular bit. It has baseball to be bat. a commemorative historical bat. He's like, yeah, this one's from when Hank Aaron. <laughs> and he walks in, and Dale like he starts smashing things in the bedroom with Crystal and Dick there. And he says, I'm hopped up on wine coolers and antidepressants right now. We gotta get this show on the road. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he, he breaks Dick's legs with the bath. Yeah. Crystal runs off. Um, the cops show the up. The cops were following Dale the thug. Yeah. Because they found out, like, he he was apparently in a bar saying, I killed that bookie. <laughs> yeah, bragging about and it. And Bill Bowen's like, why are we following this guy? And his partner's like, he said he did the crime. <laughs> Read the reports. <laughs> and so... uh. Bo Pullman's partner like rushes in to try and be the hero and save the day uh, and gets hit with a bat and shot in the foot. Yeah. Um, and then Bill Pullman happens to be in the right place at the right time outside when Dale the thug runs out and he shoots him and kills him. Yeah, they like tackle the each other. There's like a uh, rustle and bustle. And yeah. then Dale lifts up his bat. Bill Pullman gets the upper hand and shoots yeah. him and kills him. Yes. Bill and now Pullman. Bill Pullman's the hero and he solved the crime. Yeah. Supposedly. Supposedly. Meanwhile, Travolta with his $100,000 from Dick... Uh, he's trying to get out of town. And he, well, he's, he's got his a excuses. buyer in Colorado who's going to buy all, all of his snowmobiles, snowmobiles for 30K, <laughs> which he says is a pretty low number. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and so he has like a semi truck, which yeah. he does not have a, a CDL yeah. class license and at so all. He, uh, he loads up all these snowmobiles that are not sung because there's no snow. And what happens the second he finishes loading the truck? It snows for the first time all season. Yeah. <laughs> like He could have just waited. These week. are all like funny bits, but it's also like, to me, the reason why it's not my personal thing, and I understand why it might be yours, it's like it all it took was a screenwriter to go, and snow. Yes. Like, oh, great. <laughs> Fine. It's just good dramatic irony for me. I know. I know it is, but it's not mm. earned dramatic irony. Like, we didn't earn that. It was just mm. given to us. But again, I get it. I understand. Mm -hmm. So, wait, where are you checking your phone? Nothing. What? I think is, someone might be on their way. Is someone on their someone way? Someone might be on their way. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I don't know about this. I so. think you're no longer furious about this. Oh, wait. oh, my God, Stuart, would you look who just walked in the room? Oh, my God, who is it? Stuart, turn around. Tell me who it is. Um... Oh my god, he's coming this way. Hey, I know you're here to check out the apartment. Come on over. Come on over. Jeff, who is that in your apartment? It's the Mandarin. No, come on, come on over here. Some people call me a terrorist. I consider myself a potential subletter. Mr. Elmore, ready for another lesson. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> What? 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 It's the Mandarin. Stuart, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Mandarin. Wait a minute. Wait. 
Why is the Mandarin here? <laughs> he's looking at the apartment. He's, in, he's looking for a place to... Is it Mr. Mandarin, or should I go by Trevor? Mandarin will do. Okay, so Mandarin. Uh, so what, what's going on? Uh, how are you feeling about potentially subletting? Ever since the Extremis project didn't work out, I've been trapped in character. The toast of Croydon. Yeah, this you, you sound a little different than you did, you know, in your the height of your days, in your Iron Man three days. Uh so what do you what do you think? You think you're gonna take the apartment or uh let me check. Alright, he, he Mr. Mandarin's gonna go look at the, the room. Start, can we continue about lucky numbers? What? He's he's, he's rocking off with his robes. <laughs> That is not who I thought you were going to have <laughs> show up fake, today. A, you know, he's a fake terrorist, but he's really in character. They call him the Toaster Croydon. I'm just, I'm curious, Jeff. Yes. Whenever you do this, whenever yeah. you have friends over. Yes. They're usually ingeniously scheduled out to where the character, the, the person, sorry, the person who actually shows this up. This will do fine. It's got. Glad to hear it, Trevor. It's Mandarin. Okay, Mandarin, Mandarin. But usually when you have, like, a friend over, yes. they have some correlation to the film we are covering. Yes. And I know there is one character in this film whose impressions you do fairly all right. Yes. And yet... The Mandarin showed up. The Mandarin showed up. <laughs> yes. No, no, he's coming back. He's there, coming, he's coming back no to act, the mic. He's coming no back act. to the mic. Oh. True story about fortune cookies. They look Chinese. They taste Chinese. But they're actually an American invention. Which is why they're hollow, full of lies, and leave a bad taste in the mouth. My disciples just destroyed another cheap American knockoff. Lucky numbers. The motion picture. I know this must be getting difficult for you, Mr. Elmore, but the season of terror is drawing to a close. Your voice sounds a little different. It doesn't sound like usual. It sounds like me, almost. <laughs> I will depart. Okay, the Mandarin's leaving. He's walking out. Bye, Mandarin. Wasn't that great? He, he, he's still Wasn't like, that the best bit ever? Why is he just standing in the corner? Oh, he doesn't have anywhere else to go. He's just going to hang. I think, he's, I think he fell asleep. Oh, my God. He fell asleep. Yeah, he fell asleep. So we're just going to do this with that here. We're just going to do this all the rest Yeah, we'll of continue to talk about lucky numbers. Stuart, why did you seem to be on the impression Tim Roth was coming? He's not, I, didn't, he's not, I didn't say Tim Roth. You, you said I didn't it. say Tim Roth. Yeah. Let the record show I did not say Tim Roth. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well. <laughs> I. Uh, let's let's finish talking yeah, about the movie. Talking about lucky numbers. Um, I'm sure the audience loves this. <sighs> they probably think this is the best thing ever. They, they probably don't say, Jeff, stop doing this bad thing because you know it annoys Stuart and nothing, no other reason why. <laughs> like, we have the hair ranking. Yeah. We have the White Castle bit. Yes. We have our Steven Spielberg Star Wars Episode 8 bit. Yes. I, I, think, I think we're okay. 
You think you're okay? I think we're okay. Think we're good on bits? I think we're good on bits. Well, this isn't a bit. I need to get this, this apartment sold. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Nicholson really put me in a bind I with that one. I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> he really put me in a bind with that one. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where we were. Yeah. Well, I know exactly where we were. Uh, so Bill, so John Travolta, he's selling all these these snowmobiles to uh, an outdoor park in where is it at? Uh, Colorado. Uh, and so he loads them all up. It starts snowing. He gets in the truck, and Larry's like, "Take me with you. I want to be with you. You and me on the road." So they get in the truck. They pull it out of the parking lot, listening to "We Are the Champions." Truck immediately flips over. <laughs> Again, why? Because Natural doesn't have a CDL and it's slippery. Well, he's yeah. damned to stay in Harrisburg. And also, just the writer decided to make that yeah. happen. Yes. Well, it's good. It's good. Yeah. This is where I think the movie starts getting a little over long. This should have been a crisp 90. And so it's like an hour. 45. Uh, hour 40. It's like an hour 50. Mm. Yeah. Which is just a bit too long. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but um, <laughs> uh, Trolta sees the cops coming. And he's like, I got to get out of here. So he hops on a snowmobile with his 100,000. Oh, let's not forget, he throws a crowbar <laughs> at, Bill at Bill Bullman's car. And Bill Bullman's just like, hey, do you need help? <laughs> but he thinks he's after him for the money. So, Bill Pullman. <laughs> so he's still there. Fucking dare. He's still there. Don't uh, you fucking dare. Um, so, he gets on a snowmobile. Question. Yes. You were checking your phone yeah. earlier. What? Open up your text messages. What do you mean? Open up your text messages. You son of a bitch. What? You son of a bitch. What? Becca? Becca! She's not here. She's outside. Can she hear me? Probably not. Becca, can you come in? I don't know what you're talking about. Let's resume the... You... <laughs> we don't want to wake him up. We gotta hurry. If I have not woken him up already... He's in the Odin sleep. All right, let's fucking finish this podcast. <laughs> okay, God. so he gets on the snowmobile. And this is the moment that I actually laughed hardest at in this movie. He gets on the snow, he's about to take off. And Larry's like, no, don't take that snowmobile. It only has this much of RCX beef power or something like that. He's like, hop on the 440. Because <laughs> it's established that Larry's only skill in life is knowing the qualifications of snowmobiles. Okay. And so Travolta like gets off the snowmobile and hustles over to the one that Larry's recommending and just like whips off and immediately crashes into a tree. Yeah. Uh, and then he wakes up in the hospital. Bullpum's like, you're in big trouble. And Charles is like, what am I in trouble for? Uh, Bullpum's like, well, to start, $300 for the windshield. <laughs> and then uh, here's two speeding tickets for driving the uh, the, the truck and the uh, snowmobile. And that's it. Yeah. But Russ has become a local folk hero at this point. Everyone wants a picture with him and his autograph. Um, and it all winds up for him at the end, doesn't it? Because uh, he finds out he, that he gets Dick with his from broken the, legs from Dick, yeah. are there. So he sneaks into his room, takes his ticket out of a Larry King book, and then <laughs> uh, and then cashes in the money with the help of one of the uh, waitresses at Denny's that he's friendly with. And he uses the money, moves to Florida, becomes a game show host for a show titled Lucky Numbers. And that's that's uh, that's that's his finale. I mean, then we get a little clip show thing. With, uh, yeah, we with get what a little. To everyone else. Yeah, everybody else as if it was a true story. Crystal is a, a dancer at a 
<laughs> Excuse me. Crystal's a dancer at um, at uh, Gig's Club. God damn it. Um, Gig uh, used all his share to... Uh, oh, no. He invested in Microsoft, a small company named Microsoft, and became a billionaire who uh, shuttles between his nightclub in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and his estate in like uh, Italy. And then Tim Roth looks at the camera and winks because he has self-awareness. Um, and then um, Michael Moore's dead, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Dick leaves his job and becomes a teacher of ethics in journalism school. And um, Russ is just happy with his life being a game show host, finally. And that's that's the finale. That's the finale. That's the finale of Lucky Numbers. A pretty fun little movie. It was... A Gentleman's Six. I would give it a four. A four? I would give it a Gentleman's Six. Uh, actually, I probably would give it a three. Oh! Uh, no, a four. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's All right. Any I, final, I can't control the any, what are What are some final facts details about the movie jeff so this movie uh comes out the thing i forgot to mention in context corner this movie's actually based on a true event yeah very very loosely in 1980 there was a, a fix on the pennsylvania lottery that um was immediately picked up on by the police because it was just the numbers were too similar i don't think it was handled in the exact same way um but it was roughly like the basic idea of just like rigging the balls in the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll let the, the police know is that the number pull was 666. Mm. Uh, which they were like, yeah, it's a little dodgy. <laughs> right. So it's loosely based on a true event, but not something that's well known. Like the movie doesn't really stick to truth. It doesn't owe a lot of uh, uh, factualness to it. Yes. So movie comes out. Yeah, shortly after Battlefield Earth, a few months. It does not do well. Yeah. This movie has a, a 22 on, 23 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is only one more than the General's Daughter movie we covered two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, it, get, it makes a total of $10 million on a $63 million budget. So it loses $50 million. We're really seeing, like, this is when Travolta's toxic right after Battlefield Earth. Um. And just like this movie suffers from the impact of that. It also releases in October, which is not really a time of year you'd expect this type of movie to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes out like four days before Halloween. Like, why would you go see Lucky Numbers on Halloween? Right. Um, and then afterward, it gets, you know, as I said, bad reviews. Travolta wins the Razzie Award this year for this and Battlefield Earth. Two. He wins... Uh, it's like a single award for two different things. Uh, so he's really wow. just like hitting rock bottom around this point with his impacts. And he's going to start struggling a lot more in the coming episodes that we're going to see. Excuse me. I can't control the Mandarin. Some people call him a terrorist. He considers himself a teacher. I can't believe you invited a terrorist. Hey, he says, like I said, he, he, some consider him a terrorist. He considers himself a teacher. Great. Awesome. It's almost like I watched Iron Man 3 recently. I was really scrambling for someone to come visit today. Um, what? What do you mean? <laughs> you had the perfect opportunity for somebody to visit today. I have today. no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. 
bits. Uh, bits? We don't do those. We We've never do, done a bit. We've never done a bit on this Never part. in my life. Uh, this movie also is one of the four films that receives an F cinema score in 2000, which is rough. I don't even know how this got an F cinema score. This is not bad enough, nearly bad enough to get an F cinema score. To you. To me, yeah, but... Like, F Cinema Score is usually reserved for, like, something that is totally unapproachable to an audience. Like? Uh, movies, what, let's see. The other movies that received F Cinema Score in 2000 are Eye of the Beholder, Dr. T and the Women, and Lost Souls. Have you heard of any of those movies? No. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> movies that do not exist. This kind of exists. Uh, okay. Stuart's tired. Well, the Mandarin here has put me to sleep. Yeah, he, I gotta usher him out of here before the police come. Uh, I mean, if he wants to pay rent, he can stay. But uh, yeah, anyway. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode on lucky numbers. Tune in next week for our episode on Swordfish, everyone's favorite movie. Is that really next week? Yeah, next week is Swordfish. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Swordfish, 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 swordfish. Great. Swordfish. Swordfish. It's a swordfishing week. We're going swordfishing, Stuart. You and me. Swordfish. Swordfish. (laughs) (laughs) Swordfish, swordfish, swordfish. Just close out the episode, please. Swordfish. He's awake. He's he's awake. Swordfish. Of course you're a fan of that like swordfish. Uh, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Tune in for our episode on Swordfish next week. I'm just going to start that episode by screaming Swordfish. Okay. Uh, <laughs> make sure to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. As a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Find us at TravoltingPod on Twitter or Instagram for updates and fun stuff. You can pop to our Reddit, r slash Travolting. Email any comments or questions to TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter, at Jeff W. Sweeney. Find me on Instagram at StuartElmore95. Find me on Twitter at TrevorSlattery27. Uh, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Bodegum Smith for the theme music that's taking you guys out right now. Have a lucky numbers kind of week. Bye.